Welcome to Willoughby Hills. I'm Heath Rosella. Episode 99. I've done 99 podcasts. Can you believe it? 99 is today. And Matt Sexton is here. How exciting is that? Matt Sexton's a photographer. He takes beautiful pictures around his hometown of Cleveland, which also happens to be my home city. Well, I grew up in the suburbs, but I have a heart for Cleveland. I have a soft spot for it. And I am really excited to talk to Matt. It's been a long time coming, and uh, I'll tell you about that in a little bit here. But uh, for now, I just want to tell you I'm feeling good. We were out in Amish country last week down in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Took the RV down. It was our first RV trip this season. And uh, there was a lot that was kind of going wrong in the days before we got out on the road. I'm not going to lie. The RV's been in the shop for like the last three months. Uh, It had to have a propane tank replaced. And then there was some body work that had to get done. And it wasn't even clear, like, if we were going to be able to leave when we wanted to. And, like, I literally requested the time off from work, like, three days before we left because it was unclear if the RV would even be back to us. And then I got it back, had to quickly dewinterize it. I had issues with the kitchen sink not working, had to troubleshoot that, had issues with the shower not working right, and I flooded the compartment on the outside of the RV that has our outdoor shower in it. So... A lot of wrinkles before we even left, but fortunately, once we got on the road, everything was smooth sailing, and we stayed at this amazing campground. If you're a paying Willoughby Hills member, I did a video about it last week. If you're not yet, go to heathrosella.com slash newsletter. You can watch the video there. You can upgrade your membership that is uh, behind the paywall for members only, but it's, a, it's the coolest campground, I swear. We were there last summer, and I just fell in love with it. It's centered around a a mill from the 1700s, an old stone grist mill. There's a creek that runs around the entire perimeter of the the campground, and it's like right across from an Amish farm. So you're waking up to the sounds of roosters and things. It's really cool. Go check out the video if you're interested in learning more. And we also just went around and got some amazing fresh food. Uh, There are so many great places that we've learned about in Lancaster, farms that you can deal directly with get amazing meats and cheeses and produce. And sometimes you just, you you find one and there's like a sign at the side of the road. It's a little Amish farm. There's no way to look it up online. You just, you see the sign and see what they have and you pull over. We did that uh, last week, got some root beer and uh, some other things from, from an Amish family, homemade root beer. So yeah, it's wild. I wrote about it on Sunday as well. And uh, if you go to heathrosala.com slash newsletter, that issue is available for anybody to read, but wrote about shopping in an Amish grocery store where there are no overhead lights. There's bulk products, very little processed food. It's a whole trip, but it's it's something that I love, and I'm coming back feeling refreshed and uh, ready for another episode of Willoughby Hills. So thank you again for joining me. So Matt Sexton is an amazing photographer. His work is primarily landscape photography, around Cleveland. And I mean that as opposed to portrait, I guess, not necessarily like it's all lawns and vistas and things like that. It's it's skyscrapers and it's city scenes, but it's more about buildings and things like that than it is about people, which is cool. Like I, I am inspired by his work. And every time I see it on Instagram, I, I feel like I can see his growth as an artist and a photographer and just his eye gets better with each photo And the story that he's telling in each picture is just incredible. And for someone like me that grew up right outside of Cleveland, but spent a lot of time downtown as a kid, and, you know, the Cleveland that he captures is better than the Cleveland I remember. 
the Cleveland that I'm nostalgic for, it looks better in Matt's pictures <laughs> than it does in my imagination, which is pretty awesome. But the thing is, like, I have been putting off this interview for like a year or so. Like, I've, I've had this idea like a year ago that I wanted to talk to Matt, and I thought he would be a really interesting subject. But I was reluctant to do it and just I never reached out, never said, hey, we should talk. And part of the hesitation is because Matt is my cousin. And there was just this feeling on my part, I guess, kind of twofold. Like, I didn't want our relationship as family to impact the interview in any way or to impact you as the audience's kind of perception of Matt's work. And for whatever reason, I had this in my head that like people might think, oh, he's just your cousin. So like, does that really count? I don't know. I just, I always had that weird feeling. And I guess I'm at the point now, I think in rebranding the show to Willoughby Hills and rebranding the newsletter to Willoughby Hills, I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm okay just following the voice that's inside of me and trying to stay true to what I think. And if you're here for it and you like it and you want to follow along, that's great. And if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. But I'm going to do what I think feels right. And if it resonates, great. If you get something out of this today, great. But yeah, it took me a year to reach out to Matt and say, hey, we should talk. And I'm really, really glad I did because I learned so much about his process. I learned so much about his art. I learned so much just about him as a person because you'll you'll hear in the interview, he spent 10 years away from the States. He and his wife moved to Hong Kong right out of college. And for 10 years, they lived over there. My wife and I went and visited for like a week once, but there's this kind of weird lost period in there where... I sort of knew what he was up to. It was the early days of social media, but I didn't really keep up with him. He didn't really keep up with me. And it was a time where we were both doing our own things on separate separate ends of the world. But he's back in Cleveland. He's inspired by it now. And he makes just beautiful, beautiful photos of the city. And I was back in Cleveland uh, in December. And it was funny, like just going around a city that I know so well and, you know, can drive without GPS and all that kind of stuff. Like I found myself looking at the city through Matt's lens, which was really strange. Like just I've I've been following his feed now for so long and, and looking at his work for so long that I felt more starstruck by my own hometown as a function of it being featured in Matt's work, I guess, than I did my memory of it if that makes any sense. So he's doing great stuff. He's making Cleveland look awesome. Matt posts on Instagram. His handle is at that Sexton, T-H-A-T-S-E-X-T-O-N. And his website is thatsexton.com. He does sell prints of his work on there. And uh, I've seen people sharing like photos of where they've bought his work and hang it in their house. And it just, it's so beautiful. So anyways, I I guess the lesson in all this is like, at some point you got to, let go of the voices in your head and the doubt and the concern of what other people are going to say. And you got to just make time to follow what you feel and do what you think is right. Because had I not done that, I would still be looking at Matt's work and saying, wow, I wonder how he did that. I wonder why he did that. I wonder why he made that choice that he did. And now I know. So anyways, here it is, my conversation with Matt Sexton. 
So it's been beautiful here in Boston uh, the last couple of days. I don't know. Have you had a chance? I don't know how it is in Cleveland and just what have you been kind of out photographing lately? Um, yeah, it's been the same here. Really beautiful weather. Uh, a little on the cold side, but, you know, spring is definitely uh, sprung here. I got out to uh, see the Cleveland Guardians home opener with my dad. That was fun. Nice. Uh, so always, always fun to take pictures in there. They do actually allow you to bring in cameras as well. So, uh, you know, I brought in, brought in the cannon and, and got some cool shots from inside the stadium. Nice. But, but now it's kind of, yeah, kind of get in spring mode where, where it's, um, you know, getting the, the greenery, you know, flowers starting to bloom. I mean, you're from here, so you remember, uh, I'm not sure if you remember Daffodil Hill. Sure, at Lakeview yeah. Cemetery with all the daffodils. So I'm hoping I can make time today or tomorrow because they're going to be in, in real full bloom. Uh, as well as University Circle, uh, you know, with, with all the cherry blossoms and stuff by our, by our our beautiful art museum and way lagoon there. So uh kind of stuff that's on the docket. Um lately, well my daughter just celebrated her fifth birthday. So uh um, yeah, yeah. Happy birthday. With, that's exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So uh this weekend was kind of dominated by that. We had some family over Sunday for Easter slash birthday party. So haven't really been able to get out uh kind of in earnest yet. Uh, a little bit here and there, but um but yeah excited to to you know with the weather change. It's it's always fun. Yeah. I mean you touched on a lot just there on kind of like the sports side of the city, the the yeah, uh, foliage yeah. side of the city, the yeah. uh, museum, cultural and, institutions, yeah, yeah like yep. it's all there. And I guess that's part of what I really like about your Instagram feed is like you're really getting out and seeing all of the city. You're not kind of focusing on one piece. I wonder, like, just talk to me about sort of how you fell into that rhythm, I guess, and like what maybe just the motivation for like why you showcase Cleveland the way you do. Um, you know, I guess it's kind of getting another topic too, but, you know, having lived outside of Cleveland for so long, I was away for, for 10 years and actually longer with, you know, including college. Sure. Um, so, so moving back, you know, we came back in 2017 and it's, it just kind of sparked this new appreciation for it. And, you know, having really never experienced it like, like I did now, or, or I guess as an adult, yeah. um, you know, I kind of left around 18 and didn't really move back, you know, in earnest till I was 35. So, you know, I kind of had this new appreciation for what Cleveland is and what it represents and wanting to get out there and explore and, and learn more and, and see more, you know, when, again, when you're, when you're in high school or, you know, you know, just early college, you know, you don't have a lot of money. And so like, I didn't really have the chance to, to really get, get out there and, and, and see, you know, all the ins and outs of Cleveland. And and I have to give a lot of a lot of credit for inspiration for the, some of these great photographers here too that that I started following and just really inspired me to to get out and, you know, see as much as I can and, and take it all in and, and experience it. Yeah. yeah. I mean there is like I've kind of been turned on to it through your work of just sort of all the other photographers as well in Cleveland. And it's something that I, I'm not aware of, at least in other cities. I'm sure there are probably people doing it here in Boston or elsewhere, but like, I feel like just th there's something going on in Cleveland right now in the photo scene that like, talk to me a little bit about that. Definitely. I guess. Just like, you know, how you all sort of found each other and what you're all doing and sort of your niches and all that, you know, it's a, it's a whole scene, I guess. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's, I mean, I guess it, it all starts from this, this like the civic pride that, that Clevelanders seem to have, you know, I, I think it kind of spawned in sports, you know, maybe our parents' generation, you sure. know, that's really where, where it lived and died, the Browns, you know, and I remember my dad again, you know, taking me to the Indians games back at municipal stadium yeah. as a kid. Um, yeah, I think it all kind of started there, but I think, you know, it's shifted more as, as the city has shifted more into these cultural institutions, into, 
you know, uh, the food scene, which has really come a long way. And, and I was kind of blown away when we moved back. The bar scene's kind of always been around, but it, but it's, it's changed a lot too. It's, it feels more, um, more on the level of, of bigger cities, you know, having gotten out there and, and traveled a lot, you know, um, I see a lot of the same kind of, you know, a lot of similarities. So yeah, I, I think, um, there, there is this kind of niche, uh, got, I got home and, and, and really logged into Twitter and that's where it all kind of took off, followed one here and there. And, and, and I feel like I, I was, it was almost, almost the same time. Like everyone kind of gravitated towards, towards Twitter we're kind of feeding off of each other. I feel like there's, there's a handful of, I mean, there's just so many great ones um, and not just on Twitter, also on Instagram and, and Facebook and stuff too. But I, I think it, it, it kind of just, you know, we fed off, wow, like that's, that's a really cool shot. That's a cool spot. I want to go check that out and do my thing. And, and then drones have, have come, you know, have become a big thing too. And, right. and there's a couple of people that, that I follow and we kind of, you know, DM each other. Wow. That's awesome. You know, that, that really show these perspectives you just couldn't see anywhere else. You know, like I'm lucky enough to work for a company that's, you know, they do real estate development and I have access to some rooftops and stuff in the city. And, and, you know, they help me, you know, get my drone license and, and I take, you know, and they have a really nice drone that I use. But yeah, you can't get these perspectives from from on top of buildings. You know, it's it's just unlocked this whole new new thing as well. Yeah, well, I mean, you touched on at the beginning, kind of being away from Cleveland for a long time, and you know, we'll, we'll get to it. I think I want to talk to you about your Hong Kong experience and stuff. Mm -hmm. But like, you and I kind of, I think, just because of social media and stuff, like we weren't super in touch as you know in our twenties or whatever, like I wasn't aware of sort of what you were up to, I guess. And then when you started, when you moved back to Ohio and started taking these photos and posting them, it was like, wow, like you've really got a talent for this and a skill for it. But like, was that something that was, that you were always kind of developing like, and just weren't sharing or did I just miss out on it? Or like, what's the, like, it's, where did the photo bug come from for you? It's funny because, um, and I talk about this to my wife all the time, I'm really, really kicking myself for not having, you know, having this bug when I was traveling. You know, we went to sure. so many places uh, around Asia. That was the beauty of being in Hong Kong was it was a good kind of, you know, stepping stone and, and kind of home base to travel to all these places around Asia, even in Australia, New Zealand, all these places. But it, it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't top of my list, I guess, at the time. You know, I, I guess I always had the creative side to me. It was more... Uh, Graphic design, web design, um, you know, even even some drawing and stuff like that too. But yeah, it, it's it's it never really sparked until I moved back for for whatever reason. And and kind of harkening back to how you got you know this podcast started with quarantine creatives. That's sure. really where where it came from was you know wanting to get out of the house, um, wanting to do something different. You know, and it was kind of part of my job too. I manage some social media pages for for my company, so. It's really um, nowadays everything is content, right? You know, getting content to, to post out there. Sure. And you know, iPhones are great. I have a Google Pixel as well. I have an iPhone for work. Um, the cameras are incredible. And for the longest time, I thought this is all I'll, I'll ever need. Just they, they take such great pictures. But you know, a friend of mine, um, shout out to Sean O'Grady, um, Shawnee Cameras on Instagram. Um, kind of, he's kind of mentored me and and, and helped me get set up. Um, helped me pick out my my first camera. And really got me started on this track to to learn like how much more uh, these cameras can do than just a phone. Right. So yeah, it, it kind of came. It kind of came from from a, from a mix, I guess, of really wanting to to uh, of some work stuff, but also really wanted to showcase Cleveland and and just being inspired by all these the, the city itself and by all these other photographers yeah. as well. 
that's wild to me that you like you picked up a professional camera at 35 or whatever it was and yeah. sort of like that quickly learned it because i think like there's an art to photography which i agree with you could do with with a cell phone like mm-hmm. framing and composition Absolutely. and all sort of that mm-hmm. but then there's also a science to it in terms of just you know aperture and lensing uh-huh. and how all those things affect the final image like what was that learning curve like for you of of understanding the science behind it and not just you know point and click but like okay i've got to figure out some of these settings now yeah i mean to be honest it was pretty steep yeah i i would see stuff um people posting stuff and you know not just in cleveland just kind of all over and be like you know how how the hell did they do that you know yeah. one of the one of the ones that i'm still so intrigued with and i love doing is long exposure photography i posted about this a little while ago it's, it's just it leaves so much up to the imagination it's so cool different you know where you can you can learn the settings and all that and you're getting dialed in, but you don't know what's going to cross the path. You know what kind of traffic is going to come through, or you get a big bus, or you get these really cool light trails and stuff like that. So it was a big learning curve to try to figure, and it still is every day. You know that's what I kind of talk. Anyone who asks me about it, I I kind of talk about how it's um you never really have a home court advantage, so to speak, especially when you're out in the field taking right. photos. Um, you never know what the lighting's going to be, what the weather is going to be, you know, who is going to be around, which, which I think is, is also such a cool part of it. You know, it, it, it kind of forces you to be creative and kind of take what the scene gives you. I'm certainly not having crossed threshold into you know, studio photography or anything like that. I've done some stuff here and there, but it's a, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother beast, you know, that I hadn't really gotten into and i think the whole another group of settings that i have to have to do different lenses and stuff like that so it's it's very much a an ongoing process and sure. and, a, and something i think that that will be you know kind of a lifetime thing you know i think everyone has their kind of moments of uh, you're into this at this time period and then something changes and you know which is kind of refreshing you know you don't have to feel like you're tied to one thing so right. to speak but yeah it was definitely a, a pretty big learning curve and thank you to YouTube for watching lots and lots of videos and, and, and all these people who took the time to, you know, really take a camera apart and you know, do deep dives into it. And the same goes with, with drone. That's even like a step above because it's, you, know, you have to get certified with the FAA. You essentially are getting a pilot's license, right. you know, um, you, you have to be, you know, in the know about, how aviators fly real planes as well too because you know it's it's a very it could be very dangerous too at the same time so there's i mean there's there's seemingly like when when you really get into cameras and photography i mean you unlock this whole world of you know of stuff that you have to which is challenging but really cool and fun at the same time yeah no totally and the drone side like i've only used drones for video work which like and and often it's kind of non-critical b-roll it's just like well we'll fly it up there Mm -hmm. and we'll roll and let's hope that you know somewhere in that five minute chunk there's 20 seconds that's that's pretty good but like Mm -hmm. i'm assuming when you fly you're you're snapping stills right like you're worried about kind of composition it's like to me that just feels like there's a lot lower margin for error, I guess, when you're up in the air. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. I guess I guess that brings up a whole other thing for me, which is video. And I have, and I'm still just kind of crossing into that threshold. I know that's kind of where you cut your teeth, really, sure, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's something that's really new for me. So it, it's funny you say that because I I almost feel the opposite. I feel like the video is is what I struggle with. You know, these smooth transitions with the drone. Um, I see some of these guys do these really cool things, and a lot of that's automated as well, too. Sure, you know, they yeah. have these settings in there that they'll they'll do it for you. But similar to similar to a camera, you know, drones now uh, you can you can shoot manually on there too. So that unlocked the whole world for me from from the still side. 
you know, I think the composition is always a big challenge because you've never seen that angle before. A lot of right. people haven't, you know, so it's trying to find, you know, what angle will work, what's what's interesting, what's different, and then what is the light giving you as well, too. It certainly is challenging in, in that respect, um, but I feel more comfortable with it. So so when I'm up there, I tend to gravitate more towards still just because I guess that's that's kind of my lane at the moment. Yeah, um, I just feel more comfortable with it. But I see some of these these videos, these hyperlapses and stuff like that sure. that just look incredible. Um, so I'm like, yeah, someday I'll, I'll actually take the time <laughs> and really try to hone that skill and get into it, you know. But yeah, for now, um, yeah, it's, I, I do like the stills. Yeah. yeah. I want to ask you too, like you were talking about creativity before and just sort of like you show up on a scene, you don't know who's going to be there, what the lighting is going to be, all of that. Like, I know you sell prints and things through your website, but like beyond that, this is still kind of a hobby, right? Like just, I guess what I'm asking is like, you've got a young daughter, you've got a full-time job, like you can't spend eight hours a day just going out and, and taking pictures. Like, I assume you have to be somewhat deliberate and when you go out, but there's also like, if you know that the best sunlight's going to be at 6 p.m., but you have an opening at 3 p.m., you've got to just make that work kind of thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. just uh, how do you juggle, I guess, sort of the need to create and the need to express yourself with the need to do all the other <laughs> things in your life, I guess? Yeah. Wow, that's a good question. Um, so it, it's really just, um, it's that creative outlet, right? It's it's going back to the pandemic and, and really trying to find something to to get out and do. You know, I was home, I worked from home for nine months. So that kind of stuck with me. And, and the, I guess the feeling that you get after finding that shot and, you know, bringing it home and, and saying, wow, that was, that turned out to be really cool, um, kind of drives you to want to do it more. It's It's kind of, it is kind of difficult working around the schedule. It's kind of like, to and from. So I'm in the office, you know, I live about, you know, 20 minutes outside of downtown, but I'm in, uh, I'm there about three days a week, three, four days a week. So it, it's kind of working around the schedule, you know, where can I stop off on the way in, you know, yeah. or while I'm downtown, I'll, I'll take a walk and just see what strikes me. Y- you know, I've done so much time trying to plan stuff out, but it almost never works. <laughs> right. for, for, for what, for one re- reason or another, it, Getting out when I can is has just kind of been been my thing, and like I said, I, I do think it's it's kind of like forced creativity in, in yeah. a way that you know you can find something, and, and in a lot of ways that's that has produced some of the, some of my my favorite work because it's it's very spontaneous, it's very off the cuff, it's a new way to see things. You know, it's funny because I have worked with people with other photographers, and it's really cool to see how they do it as well. Yeah, see their process. Some of them are way more rigid and we just don't vibe together. But, you know, the results speak for themselves. They do incredible work. So it's, it's, it's really interesting to see, you know, the creative process for different people. I'm very much go with the flow and it, it seems to work for now. You know, um, yeah. like I said, having no home court advantage, I guess, can sound difficult, but it really gives you a lot of options to go out and, and see what see what strikes you and see, see what's around. Yeah. I'm curious too, like in thinking about Cleveland, I mean, like I remember growing up and I'm sure for you too, like, you know, as you said, the sports teams were kind of a joke. There was the, you know, oh yeah, the river set on fire, you know, like there was was a very specific perception kind of in the national media and, you know, outside of Ohio of what it meant to be from Cleveland. And I feel like there's still, I mean, I was back there you know, three months ago or whatever, like there's still a lot of ruin porn if you want to look for it. You know, there's there's decaying factories sure. and that kind of stuff. 
I feel like you tend to to focus on kind of the optimism of the city and sort of what you know what this kind of current renaissance looks like and just showing people that Cleveland was something or maybe it still is in parts but it's also this thing it's also this beautiful living breathing place that's you know really kind of come into its own in the last decade or so like but but that feels like a choice I think and I feel like if if you were just chasing likes online you might gravitate more towards, you know, decrepit factories or you know, <laughs> burned out neighborhoods or whatever. Like, it, it feels deliberate to have not gone in that direction. And I'm curious why. I think it, a lot of it goes back to to traveling um, and growing that appreciation for Cleveland. I found myself a lot, you know, my wife was there with me, obviously. So we find ourselves in all these cities, you know, when you travel, you, you want to find the good parts, right? You want to yep. see the cool parts of each city. And we had this thing that, you know, almost every town we went to, whether it was in like Cambodia or wherever, Vietnam, we're like, oh, I could live here because you're seeking out these really cool aspects of it. And you're sure. kind of only focused, focusing on that. So I think that kind of came back with me, you know, when I'm around Cleveland is really focusing on the good. And especially because we have this, this such this underdog mentality here, which I think we really need to shed because it's a great city. And it's out. But, you know, really trying to focus on, on, why Cleveland is so great, why why it's, you know, coming into its own, um, all the great things that are happening. It, it really sheds a, a new light on what the city is and what it can become, I think, too. It's funny, I get a lot of people who, you know, come up and they're like, oh, I love your photography, but, you know, can you take some pictures of what Cleveland really looks like? You know, <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, this is this is really Cleveland, you know, yeah. it's just, uh, you got to look for it. And of course, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's There's plenty of areas that you know, a lot of blight and, you know, um, abandoned factories and stuff like that. And man, there's some really cool, um, photo- photos and video that come out of there. Um, but yeah, I don't, for whatever reason, that just, that just never really struck me. I guess is this desire to find the pretty parts, the beautiful parts, the up and coming things that, that are, um, it, maybe it's an optimist versus a pessimist type situation where like, I, 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 I want to see the, the good and and where it's going rather than saying bad things about what's wrong with it, yeah, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I, I'm curious too, sort of like if you were to, well, I guess your your profile is telling a story of Cleveland and like, how do you define, you do it in pictures, I guess, but I'm curious how you would define it in words of like, what is the story of Cleveland in 2023? Wow. Um, I think in a lot of ways, it's it's rebirth in a way, you know, I guess it's it's kind of been doing that for a long time. But working downtown and working for a real estate development company, they just built a high-rise apartment complex downtown in 2019. And, you know, now there's one going up across the street, another one, uh, I'm sure Williams is going up there too. So I, and the, so the I one think you're that, talking about is the Beacon, right? That's like next the Beacon, to the yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I, I didn't even know that went in. We stayed at the arcade when we were there. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, and it fits in beautifully too. Yeah. You know, it just yeah. like it feels like it's part of the city and like it's always been there, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That whole, I mean, really all of Euclid Quarter, and there's another one down by Playhouse Square, the Lumen that went up uh, yeah. in the past couple of years as well too. So people are going downtown. You know, people want to live downtown, and it's now it's just about they can't you know build the apartments fast enough down there, which is a great thing. I think now it's about you know getting more people excited about it and getting more people. Not treating it as, you know, oh, downtown or is dangerous, this, that, or the other. And, and I guess it's kind of more of a macro thing, too. I think people are flocking back to cities across the country as well, sure. too. So it's not just it's not just Cleveland. 
Um, I, I think it's a generational thing. You know, this younger generation wants to be downtown, want to be by nightlife, want to be, you know, the convenience of living there, maybe not have to worry about a car. Cleveland has, we have public transportation, you know, it's, it's not the best in the world, but you know, it's there, you know, 2023 in Cleveland is, is a lot of optimism. You know, I, I think, you know, obviously it has its, its issues, but um, it's, it's definitely trending up for yeah. sure. No, definitely. And, and I feel that when I'm there, I'm curious, like you touched on something and actually like, you know, I talk about this on the podcast of Fairmap. We do these family Zoom calls on Mondays. And this is something one of our cousins was talking about this week, too, of not having experienced uh, Cleveland as an adult. And like, I'm curious, sort of, actually, I'm going to pose the question that your mom posed to all of us on the Zoom call, uh, which I think is is interesting and sort of just, you know, I'm curious your take on growing up, I guess, and like what you think about where you grew up you know, Cleveland or the suburbs around it or whatever, just like, yeah. what was your perception growing up of, of where you were? It's funny because, um, I kind of had my foot in, in two camps, you know, I was I technically lived in Lakewood, which is a suburb of Cleveland, kind of like an inner ring suburb. Yeah. And one of the one, one, if not, you know, the most popular ones, I would say, um, your hometown will be as well. I, I would, you know, say is up there as well. Yeah, but but I was further out. I mean, that's like Lakewood. Yeah. you're you're like right, you know, connected. Your bus ride yeah. away and you could or you could ride a bike and be in Cleveland. You know, pretty yeah. quickly. Like I was, I was on an island. I feel compared <laughs> to you, but yeah. So yeah, I mean, so it's kind of like a foot in both camps. You know, I technically I lived in Lakewood, but I went to school in West Park in Cleveland, and it's still it's still kind of funny because my wife who grew up on the East Side, which is you know they don't have a lot of highways around here. Still was astonished that oh you had to cross over a highway to go to school every day. And yeah. So yeah, I I kind of had you know the Lakewood side and the West Park side, which which is funny because it, it, in in my mind I, I kind of see it as like Lakewood I equate with you know public schools and then you know uh, community uh, sports and stuff like that with with that and then my West Park Cleveland was very much you know my my Catholic grade school and you know so I kind of equate it more with that so. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, growing up there, it was, um, you know, very easy access to public transportation through a lot of high school. I took the rapid, you know, to Ohio City, the West 25th uh, to go to go to school it, and took it took buses uh, as well, too. So it was, um, you know, getting getting the suburb experience, but also getting the city experience. Right. Again, I guess it comes back to that to that to both camps is, is you know, um, am I in the suburbs, which, which it kind of is like, but, you know having that access to you didn't feel like you're on an island yeah you can get around real easily and having gone to school in st ignatius in, in cleveland house city you know you got to experience more of that which was a lot different in the 90s uh, than if you i don't know if you had a chance to go to house city when you were here but oh, yeah, that yeah. has changed that has changed totally. a lot too over the years but you still like that that rapid stop is the west side market and you know yep. you go another yep. stop or two in and you're right downtown like it was accessible i guess whereas yeah know, Mine definitely sure. wasn't, which is interesting. But, but yeah. you left too, which I'm curious about. Like, and we we've hinted at it a little bit in this interview. But you were away. You went to college at Ohio State in Columbus, and then you and your wife moved to Hong Kong for like uh-huh. ten years. Like, what yeah. what motivated that move? You know, we actually we really love Columbus too. You know, we definitely have a, a soft spot for Columbus. But you know, we I had finished a year earlier than than my wife Annie, and um. We started to feel like the old ones there a little bit. We were living yeah. near campus, so you know we we knew we wanted to make a change and didn't think that Columbus was the place. But at the same time, it was 
you know, 2007, 2008, right during the, you know, the economic crisis and all that. So we're like, what are we going to be able to find in Cleveland? You know, we're, we're not sure. Do we want to go back there as well? And at the time, my dad was living in Hong Kong. And we had we had actually visited, I think it was 2004, 2005, and just really loved the city. So um, he posed the question, why don't you guys, you know, come over and, and just experience it, whether it's, you know, for a year, six months, whatever it is, you know, if you maybe find a job here and, you know, start your career off, it would be great for your resume, even if it's not very long. So it's kind of like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't any like, you know, we hate Columbus or we hate Cleveland or anything that like we don't want to be there, you know, yeah. which, which I think was, was was kind of a thing too uh, coming out of college you know um at least amongst my peer group you know oh mine too it yeah, was, yeah like we don't want to be in cleveland you know so we, we kind of jumped at it you know we it was it was really my wife who, who pushed us over the edge and he really pushed us like yeah let's just do it it was an easy landing so to speak you know i had my dad there um and we had been there before so we kind of knew what to expect so um people are like wow you lived abroad for so long but it was you know we had we had a good support system there we had family there so yeah and when we visited, I was struck by just how prominent English is just as a function of being a former British colony that like it was it was very easy to navigate, especially right, you know, in Hong Kong proper, like without knowing any Cantonese, you know, you could get mm-hmm. on, on English alone, which was which was kind of nice. It was a nice way to ease into like, yeah, for sure. Culture, yeah. Think, for our, yeah. Know, visitors. But, yeah. Um, it was a very uh different lifestyle though from cleveland i mean just like the apartment you guys lived in when we visited it was like a seven or eight floor walk up and yeah. you know, tiny space that like mm-hmm. was there was there any culture shock to moving there or like was it a fairly easy adjustment just in terms of kind of space in the city and you know getting around and things um i'd say yeah i mean there's definitely a price shock yeah uh, that was that was a big part of it and i'm still really appreciative how affordable cleveland is you know especially compared to to a place like Hong Kong. Um, but I mean, for the most part, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. Um, to be honest, I think you hit on it. Like the, the British influences was still really heavy there. So even a lot of the locals, um, when they went to school and, and in England or, or somewhere in Europe and kind of brought that culture back with them as well too. Or a lot of them went to uh, international schools there, which there's a British international school and American international school, all these other ones that kind of focused on these different curriculums. So a lot of the people that I, you know, that I worked with and, and met there kind of matriculated through these, these international schools. It's, it's, it's very much an international city. Yeah. Sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, there, you were there and you, you got to see. So it was, it was really cool that, you know, I got to meet so many people from so many different places. And, and like I said, and even, even and that's with respect to expats, but even a lot of the locals had that international experience too whether it's just going to international school there or, you know, having studied abroad as well, which is, which is a really big thing there yeah. as well. So your dad invites you to come visit for six months. You guys end up staying 10 years. Is that right? Yeah. Good. 10 like, years. Yeah. And there was always a point for me, like as an outside observer again, where I'm just like, Oh, they're going to be home pretty soon. Like, I'm sure that's coming. And I remember part of what motivated our trip to visit you. I think, I think it was your wedding. There was some wedding where we talked to you guys and you were like, we're probably moving back like in a year or so. <laughs> so like, if you want to come visit, you probably should. And my wife and I were just like, yeah, we, we should do that. Cause like, if they're not there, <laughs> you know, and so we jumped on it and you were still there another five or six years uh, yeah, after our right. visit. Like, what what made you stay 
that long. It's funny because we were we were just talking about that, and yeah. it was it was my wedding. Yeah, so a lot of it was friends. Honestly, um, we met so many great people there and made so many friendships. You know, you feel like you recreated your life. You know, yeah. we we still obviously had all our, all our friends we grew up with here, but um, you know, they're in this transitioning period here as well, where they're buying houses, they're having they're getting married, they're having kids. So. Right. Uh, the social side was very different here, I think, during that period. Uh, whereas in Hong Kong, we were kind of still living it up. We we're still in our, you know, twenties and, and early thirties. Um, very social city. Very, uh, you know, a lot of nightlife, a lot of fun things to do, a lot going on. So, I think friends was a big part of it. But, but also, like I mentioned earlier, having this home base to travel and see a lot of Asia was a big part of it. And I think the last few years, really, that was the main motivator. I think we were ready to come home for. For a lot of reasons, um, but wanting to tick off these these places, you know, from our bucket list so it was a big part of it, and, and we were able to to hit a lot. I think there's a few that we missed, but um, but that was a big motivator for sure. Yeah, I wonder, like, in coming home, then coming back to Cleveland, like, I get when I heard you guys were going to move back, I was like that is going to be the biggest culture shock. Like, I wonder if it makes sense to go to New York or Chicago or something first to kind of, you know, step it back <laughs> yeah. down a little bit. Like, that transition, I guess, from this this very dense, very populated city to a place with, you know, three skyscrapers and two or three train lines. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, a, it's a very different place. But, like, what was that? transition like for you yeah it's funny you can tell we're related because we had that same exact <laughs> thought moving back we're like do do we step out into a new york yeah, and sure. we really want to do that for a long time you know um or chicago or something like that but when it came down to it you know the real reason we moved back was was our family here 10 years is a long time you know and, and when you're in it it just kind of it doesn't feel like you're there that long you're just experiencing it and especially being somewhere like that where we're traveling and doing all these things you know, time really flew by. It was a bit of a shock. Um, we, it's funny because you know we got made fun of a little bit. We go into a Costco and just be like, "Wow, this is gigantic!" <laughs> like, how do you guys, you know, you guys got everything here? Where you know back there, it's it's very much like you really have to seek and find out things, especially you know imported stuff um, or try to recreate it yourself. So we were kind of like fish out of water for for a good while here, and there's definitely a shock, but. One of the parts that we ended up kind of getting tired of there were, were the crowds, was the, you know, was, you know, all the people all the time, you know, living in, in a really congested city. Ironically, one of the same reasons we wanted to live there to begin with kind of ended up being its undoing in a weird way. Yeah. We were just ready for something more quiet, you know, uh, and, and we were ready to start a family as well, too. So we, we landed here April 1st in Cleveland and my wife found out she was pregnant on April fifth, or sorry, August first, and on August fifth, found out she was pregnant. So it all wow. kind of it all kind of came together, you know. So so I think it worked out, and, and oddly enough, we ended up landing in Lakewood, where I grew up. So um, kind of a full circle moment there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wonder, like the experience in Hong Kong, though, like just in get, kind of getting back to your photography and stuff. Like I noticed that there are themes in your work. Um, you know, transit is a big part of it. You do focus a lot on kind of the density of, you know, the public square area and like immediate downtown. Like, are there things, Cleveland is never going to be Hong Kong with just, you know, hundreds of towers, but like, are there lessons that you see that you're like, God, I wish, I wish Cleveland would, would implement this, or I wish this piece could carry over. Without a doubt. Yeah. And, and I think that's what inspires a lot of my work is to try to say like, 
oh, we have the, we have the, you know, the seeds for this. We have, you know, we have the infrastructure for this. We just gotta, we just gotta do something with it. I think, um, public transportation was one of the things that I missed the most about living in Hong Kong. It was, and, and you were there. I mean, you, yeah. the, the, and my wife always jokes, you can eat off the floor on the, in the train there. It was, it was really, really nice. Um, super convenient, really cheap. We didn't have to worry about having a car for 10 years. That was a shock coming back here, you know, yeah. um, having to just drive everywhere. So yeah, you know, there's, there's definitely so many things and it's not just Hong Kong, everywhere we travel, we saw different things and say, man, I wish they could do that here. Um, one thing I, I did notice about almost every international city we travel to is there's, you know, I guess here in Cleveland, there's an East fourth yep. where it's kind of a public space. You can walk down. It's very small. Close you know? to cars and all the restaurants. Yeah. Close to cars. Out and you can yeah, walk around. And, yeah, 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 exactly. But you know, these other cities just have these ones that are miles long, big, you know, big massive squares that you know like we have you know we we have that capability we just don't have the the political will or whatever you want to call it you know because it does seem like all these you know people that are flocking to downtown to live there they want that too clearly as well so it's how do we make that happen how do we get the ball rolling in that direction and i think part of photography is it's 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 obviously your perception of things it's your you know how you envision things but it's it's kind of a way that you can you can show your perspective your point of view your ideas about how these things should be and maybe maybe it catches on maybe you know i don't know if you saw too um the lawyer here tim misney and has these billboards oh, yeah, up yeah, yeah. um and, and that really kind of sparked something too so you never know when you know especially with twitter um, when something will just hit and go viral too and could spark will change you know so just seeing the seeing some of the possibilities that we have here in Cleveland, um, you know, with the lake being right there as well too, having sure. even having a a train system. A lot of cities in the United States don't have it. You know, we we have a lot of you know good good stuff that would serve as step, stepping stones. Like I said, it's just uh, trying to to motivate people or, or or the politicians, whoever it might be, to or the real estate developers to step up and and, and try to you know continue to to build Cleveland up and and make it something that we all want it to be and we all envision it to be. Yeah, for sure. Um, one last thought that I'm, I'm kind of curious about, and you touched on it a bit there, but just this idea of going viral and, and sharing and stuff that like, I know for me, certainly I feel the pressure to be on a lot of these platforms and, you know, sharing things with the hope that it gets picked up or gets, you know, shared around or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned starting on Twitter and, you know, now on Instagram and other places, but I noticed you, you've taken your Twitter offline now and, and have opted yeah. to go dark. And, you know, I, I like we're, as we're recording this today, NPR is, is making the same move with their, um, Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, yeah, they, they just announced that because of that kind of state sponsored, uh, label or whatever that was put on mm-hmm. the account. They just said, you know what, we're done here. Like we're on yeah. these other places. You can find us here. I, I guess that's part of what I admire in you, I guess, is that I, I do feel like you're greatly principled and that you could just stay there and and I certainly debate whether or not I should be and and have opted on the side of well I'm just going to wait it out and see <laughs> how much mm-hmm. more terrible this gets, but you kind of made <laughs> the uh, the affirmative decision to say you know what I'm I'm good like yeah do you worry about shooting yourself in the foot at all doing that or like how important is it to you I guess to kind of to stand behind what you think is is right I think it's I mean I think it's really important especially nowadays. Um, we all talk a lot on social media. Everyone talks. So it's backing that up is something that, that is not really around as much these days. I do worry about it a little bit. I'm not necessarily worry about it, although it is the place where I have the most followers, but it was the most connected community. I really did love the community. 
I got in such in, the, in this great niche of all these, you know, downtown Cleveland people. I mean, really everywhere. So uh, it's really kind of shame because it's just not the same on the on the other platforms. And and I totally understand why they're still there. But uh, yeah, I absolutely miss it. But it, it's one of those things where you know, and I can kind of remember the moment where um, you know, my mom was a healthcare worker. She was a nurse, and and my brother, you know, actually recently came out, you know, and he's gay. Um, and then must tweeted something that really disparaged both of them at the same time. Yeah. And it really just stuck with me. And I, I, I just don't want to feel complicit with it anymore. Not that I'm any big account on there or anything like that or going to make a big difference. But, you know, um, I did, didn't want to lend him my eyeballs for, for his ads or, or anything like that. It, it's, it's, it is sad because I do miss that community that I built on. There. It's funny because a lot of people complain about Twitter, like, oh, it's this cesspool of hatred and bile and all this. But the community I had on there was like, I actually really loved it. I, it yeah. was, it was really nice and, and fun. And I got so much inspiration, up, you know, from people on there, but at some point, yeah, I just feel like you gotta, you gotta take a stand, do what you feel is right. Yeah. Well, well, let's end on a, on a happy note, I guess, too, of like, sure. The people that, uh, that are watching what you're doing and are inspired and whether that's photography or, you know, whatever their art happens to be like, What's your advice to them kind of three years in of, of you know, being a photographer and, and, you know, making this, uh, making this your thing? Like, what do you, what do you tell people that want to be you? So I just say, um, get out there, you know, that, that's, that, I think that's my biggest lesson was, you know, regularly getting out there and doing things, um, exploring, um, you never know what's going to come of it unless you get out there and do it. So going, kind of going back to being a young kid, not really experiencing Cleveland, you know, this has really kind of developed because I just keep putting myself out there. I go exploring new places and, and seeing what's there. Even if it's the same place I've gone to 50 times, something new is there now or something has changed or the weather's different, something like that too. So it's, I would say to you, just, just get out there and do it, you know, and just practice and practice because, uh, you know, I think you'll surprise yourself. And watch some YouTube. That never, that never hurts, too. All right. Matt Sexton there. Some really interesting stuff, huh? I uh, I really admire especially his stuff about Twitter there and just being principled and standing behind what he believes in, even if it could harm his business or harm his exposure or whatever it is. Like, sometimes you kind of just have to stand up and do what you think is right. So... That's awesome. Uh, I, I applaud Matt for that. And I really love his work. I'm really happy that we got a chance to talk. You can follow Matt on Instagram. He is at that Sexton, T-H-A-T-S-E-X-T-O-N. And his website is thatsexton.com. You can order prints of his work. You can browse his work there. And uh, yeah, give him a follow. It's really, really beautiful stuff. And if you think of Cleveland as just you know, the mistake on the lake or the place where the river caught fire 50 years ago or, you know, whatever it is, like Cleveland is coming back and it's a cool place and Matt makes it look so amazing. So go check out his work. And if you've enjoyed listening today, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app or better yet, you can subscribe to the newsletter. You will get every issue of the newsletter right in your inbox, as well as alerts when new podcast episodes come out. And if you really are a fan, you can become a paying member of Willoughby Hills. You will get early access to the podcast before anybody else hears it. And you also get special bonus posts. Uh, every other week right now, I'm doing video posts for members. So check that out, heathrasala.com slash newsletter. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe out there. <laughs>